Welcome everyone to Orenthal Redux. We are re-releasing our original short series Orenthal with new editing and music. Three years ago, we started our podcast with this actual play, with no idea of where it would lead. Taking place over a hundred years before our current actual play adventures, our characters in Orenthal looked for clues and hunted for a secret foe who instigated devious plots within the city. Hi everyone, I'm Tony, the Dungeon Master of the campaign, and with me here are the following players. Hi, I'm Adam, I'm going to be playing Sildan. He is a Way of the Kensei monk, uh, and he's a wood elf. Hi, my name is Chris, I'm going to be playing Daryl. He is a evocation-specialized wizard. He will be blowing things up. I'm Rachel, and I'm playing Kalima, the half-elf cleric of the Domain of the Grave. I'm Nick, I'm going to be playing Tor, a level 5 dwarven inquisitive rogue. This is Bethany. I'm playing Sari and Asavar, Order of the Immortal Mystic. And we would all like to welcome you to Orenthal. Orenthal Redux, Episode 7. Biagosto is in there. Last time, the party began to plan their next course of action as they studied the various papers that they found nearly destroyed from Melika. Just as Saria learned the location of Fulmer and the party began to discuss their next moves, a strange quickling appeared and told Tor that he was here to take him to a meeting with Bai. After a brief conversation that discussed the possibility of Tor getting his research back, the dwarf followed the strange quickling out of the room and to the meeting. As he gets to the very base of the steps, you see he kind of peeks around the corner really quickly. He seems to be just looking around really quickly before he disappears from your sight. And as you look up, you see he's by the front door, kind of crouching down, staying a little bit hidden. But he just looks back at you. As you kind of look around, you see there's not really many people in the tavern right now just a few it seems like some people are just starting to wake up or if people have woken up they've already gone out into the streets to enjoy the beginnings of the celebration for the day Firo kind of like looks at you and and gestures like come on he'll follow you approach the door and as you do he kind of gestures up and you see he can't quite reach the handle he'll purposefully pause for a moment his hand just before the handle and then he'll turn it and open the door in that span of pausing there's a moment where you see a few of the patrons of the tavern kind of like look around as there's some rapid light thumping sound and you can see his foot just tapping the floor at a blurring speed and realize what he's doing is it just stops as he waits for you to just open the door. He smirks. As you do, you open the door and you see he quickly rushes out. I'm assuming you follow right behind? Yep, fast as he can. You step out quickly, turn the, and close the door, and the first thing that hits you as you close the door is the sound that's in the street is gone. There's no noise. You're in a 20 by 20 foot wooden room, and you see a door at the other end. He's going to perceive the room to see if there is any other features about the room. 29. Looking around the room, the wood is... It's very well crafted. That's one of the first things you know. As being a dwarf, you would be much more focused on stone and crafting of that as that's what most dwarves, particularly mountain dwarves, would do and something they take a lot of pride in. But even looking at this, it is immaculately crafted. Each plank of wood seems to fit perfectly 
with the one above and below it, and even on the floor, the ones beside to side seem to just mesh into a near, perfectly smooth form. You look around and it seems almost too perfect. But other than that, it looks like essentially a wooden box. Of course, perceiving as you're looking around, you look behind you and the door you closed is gone. It is just wall. It's gonna raise a brow at this, but seeing that there is only one path, he will go up to the door. He's putting his ear to it for any noise. Okay, I'll allow you to keep your perception check for this. You go and put your ear to the door and listen in and you hear someone in the other room. You hear the shuffling of feet, kind of heavy footprints and just a couple of items being rustled around. You get the impression whoever it is is sitting at some sort of table or desk because the sounds are actually coming from not from the floor itself, but up off the ground. And it sounds like they're shuffling back and forth between a couple of different things. He's going to knock. You do. And the shuffling sound stops and you hear, hey, who's there? It's me, Tor. There's a very long pause and the door opens suddenly by itself and swings away from you inward and a very small hallway that connects your room to the next one can be seen and you see a desk with several papers on it scattered about and standing behind the desk is a dwarf, a dwarf you have seen before, pale-faced, thick black beard, missing a pinky on one hand. You had killed this supposed dwarf. You see before you, Trabone. Now we're going to jump over to the rest of the party and what they did in Tor's absence. So Tor winds up leaving the room and follows Vera out. You guys wait a few more minutes as... Uh, Lily does eventually return. Well, Daryl would uh, Daryl would like to make some notes in his notebook about what he just saw as far as <laughs> quick lines. Uh, Sildan would like to comment, so we're all kind of okay with him just going off uh, with that little creature? I don't think we it had was much choice. choice. Yeah, Yeah. Okay. so I'd like to, to make some notes in my notebook and maybe some rough sketches of what I have just seen. It was a very colorful uh, thing. Yes. Quickly. Yep. So, Lily's there and is like, basically uh, seems to be as calmly as she seems capable to do, asking Elsa's questions uh, more about her life as a monk. What are you guys going to do? So Lily told us that she informed Captain Marsk about the... No, that she has left messages for Gerbo and that she discussed with guards that she knows to make sure all the security for the delegation are beefed up as there is a potential threat of assassination. Yeah. So Saria would kind of sidle up to Sildan and say, do you know how long Captain Marsk has been in charge? Do I know how long Captain Marsk has been in charge? <laughs> Make an intelligence check. <laughs> oh, jeez. Drop my dice. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Uh, whatever, I'll use the big one. Uh, not bad. 18. Okay. You would know that she has only recently become Captain of the Guard towards the end of the events of the Cataclysm. So it's been within about the last two, maybe three years. Yeah, so I would kind of relay that to her. Okay. Oh, interesting. I'm not quite sure, to be honest. Oh, just curious. I I haven't had a lot of interaction with her. She seems lawful. Yes, uh, with all of my dealings with her, she's been quite pleasant. Is she particularly skillful? Uh, Yes, actually, quite. So, she's a, an exceptional person? Uh, I would say so, yes. Ah, thank you. Of course, why do you ask? Ah, uh, just curious. 
I don't, I, you know, I okay. haven't really interacted with her and you've been working with her for some time, so I was just wondering. So the question is, where are we going from here? I think I found Fulmer, who seems to be behind a lot of this, but it's going to take some time to get there. Do something. We have no plan for how that confrontation would go. You still hear all the celebrating sounds in the streets, man. Yeah, and the streets um, are it's, packed it's with people. It's later morning right now. It's approaching noon almost. You guys got up really, really early, but you've spent a bunch of time doing the preparations and the, the psionic abilities and studying the documents. So I think we should go and investigate the location where I, I found Fulmer. Even if she's not there anymore, maybe we could pick up something because I, I don't... We, I guess we have some other leads. We could go and try to talk to the ambassadors directly and warn them. I agree with this. I think the lead would be better. If we go follow your lead to Fulmer, we can investigate that train of thought first, uh, because that seems more likely to lead us at least to more information, so that when we meet with Thovin later, we'll have information, versus just warning the ambassadors. That's not going to give us any information. That's true. And we did no already send Lily, so we at least have given some heads up. And even then, Thelvin can get in touch with you. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, so I guess if we don't make it back in time, we'll we'll figure something else out. What should we tell Lily to do if anything goes sideways? We don't come back, or something happens? I guess she should return with Elsis to to Gerbo, if we don't come back anytime soon. We're not back by this evening. I am okay with that. What about having Thelvin take her? I don't know if he has somewhere that he could take her that would be awesome. I guess they could go to the Academy. Yeah. The Academy's pretty That's safe. That's probably one of the safest places. Okay, so take her to the Academy if we're if we're not back tonight. She just nods. But everything will right. be fine. Yeah, you guys will be fine. I'm sure nothing bad will happen to you. You probably won't die. Well, that's Thanks. reassuring. You said you killed an Oni. We did. We did. Yeah, you'll be fine, I'm sure. Okay. Okay. Thank you for your vote of confidence. And then Kalima turns and walks out like, I'm done. She gives two small thumbs up. So I'll just go over and reassure Elsis. I, I promise I will be back as soon as I can. Very well, Master. Let me know if I can help in any way. I shall. Thank you. And then I'll walk out. She bows. Sorry's like, all right, let's get going. <laughs> Kalima's down the stairs already. She's like, ah. Yeah. Now to jump back to Tor, who just encountered Trabone, who the party had just killed the night before. Tor is surprised, to say the least. Just a moment of pure shock, frozen, standing there. You also notice, like, for that moment of tunnel vision that you had, you focused entirely on the fact that Trabone is there, alive. It takes you another moment to realize no one opened the door. It just opened. Trabone is not close enough to have done it, standing nearly 20 feet from you, but he seems almost frozen in utter terror, staring at you. As he slowly backs up, you see just behind him another smooth wooden wall, and he bumps into it as he kind of presses his hands against it. Uh, Rurik, I... Uh, With his ring of telekinesis, he closes the door. Step through, and you just have your hand back as you step into this second room. Closing the door behind you, you hear with a click as it locks into place, essentially. Stepping into this new room, you see the simple wooden table. Again, kind of immaculately designed. Several small papers, looks like letters for the most part, kind of scattered across the table. And stepping into this room, you see, again, what appears to be a doorless, windowless room. You're able to see as it is because having dark vision, you can see within darkness and you see shapes and all that and uh, shades of gray. And you see Trabone just almost hugging the back wall. So you had a job to do and you did it. Uh, uh, it, it was a job, uh, Rurik. I, I took care of things. 
Uh, my my apologies, but you know how it was when when you stole when you needed to. You you had your own jobs to do. I left that behind me, and now I have a job to do. He kind of starts to back away. He's trying to keep the table. It seems between you and him. I what 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 job might that be, uh, uh, Rurik? <laughs> can I can I help you in any way? Tell me all that you know about the Whispered Ones and the job that you were given to take my research. I, I, he leans I, I don't know much. over the table as best he can. So you kind of lean over the table. He tries to kind of lean back. You hear the slight thunk of his head, like kind of tap the wall behind him as he realizes he can't get any farther from you. Between the table and where he is is only about 10 feet. And while you're at it, where are we? I, I don't know. I, I found myself here and was told that I would get another job. And, and then you walk in. I, uh, I, I don't, I don't know much about these whispered ones. I just, I got a job and I did a job. How do I put this? Didn't we already kill you? He looks down at his body and starts to kind of press his hands to his tunic and his legs a little bit. Not as far as I know. He's going to do an arcana check for any illusions in this area. That would be investigation. Ten. Studying the area, you kind of, again, he keeps staying as far as he can from you, trying to keep the table between you and him. You're trying to search the area. The walls seem real enough. The table seems real enough. You can't get any read on whether or not Trabone is real or an illusion. As far as you can tell, it seems real. He's talking. There's even like that, <laughs> you would know very well, there's a muskiness that dwarves tend to have that you can smell off of him. Everything here seems real, but your mind is also telling you, you killed him. I don't know what you want from me. I took your research. I'm I'm sorry. I know I know you must know. Otherwise, why would you why would you be here? Why would she set me up like that? But I'm uh and you see he kind of like reaches behind his back a little bit and you hear a shink as he pulls a small dagger and kinda of holds it up defensively. She? You must mean by Agosto. I who do you think gave me the job? Interesting. He'll also pull pull out his dagger, but he's just kind of playing with it a bit. Listen, uh Rurik, I'm I, I'm sorry. It's all I can tell you is I was to take your research and drop off these papers, and that's it. He does look to the papers briefly. You look down and you see what seem to be letters, but there's nothing written on them. Remembering the kind of weird cyanic imprints on some of the other papers, he does reach out momentarily to touch one. And as you do, you catch a scene of Trabone sneaking into what looks to be your study and grabbing a stack of papers out of your desk, picking the lock, taking everything out, and he pulls out another bundle of papers looking very similar to the one he just took and slips it in, closes it, and resets the lock before he leaves. As your vision comes to, you hear a constant rattling sound, a click, 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 and you look up and see Trabone had rushed over to the door that you had come in from and seems to be like trying to open it, but it's not moving. I think I'm beginning to see. You hear a voice behind you. If you kill him, you may learn more. I knew it. You were just seeing what I would do. He doesn't even turn around. Will you allow the thief to leave? I'd prefer to arrest him. Won't you come with me, Trabon? You have two options here. 
you can either take back what he took from you. He will never give it to you by choice. It is on his person. You will need to take it from him by force or allow him to go. Those are your options, Tor. He'll pull out his crossbow and aim it at Trabone. Halt. Now. He freezes, turns. Rurik, I I don't know what you want from me. Uh, <laughs> she says you I just, have it on your person. I don't have anything on me. Then one of you is lying. I, I don't know what to say. I don't have anything on me. I, it's just my clothes and my dagger. Insight. Go ahead. 20. He's lying. You hear the voice behind you again. You must make your choice, Tor. I call it a false choice. Bye. And he'll start walking up to his good friend here. And he's preparing an action in case of any hostility. Trabone is holding up his dagger in a defensive position as you approach. Put down the dagger and I won't hurt you. That's a promise. I don't believe you. <laughs> Why else would you be here? I, I took what you what you most prize. You got kicked out of your clan for what I took. Why why would you let me live? And the dagger kind of like is shaking in his hand as he points it at you. I find I can do more damage to my enemies working within the system than outside of it. You'll pay for what you've done, but not here. Y- you'd let me live? Sure. Don't know about what'll happen at the trial, but why don't you put that put the dagger down there? And he'll roll persuasion. Yeah, go for it. That's a 20 on the die, so 21. The dagger stops shaking, and all fear leaves his face as the knife just falls to the floor. You hear from his mouth, So you've made your choice. And he vanishes. He whirls around. Is Bai still there? No, but a door has on the back wall that wasn't there before. And the door that Trabon was trying to escape from, is that now gone? Is now a wall. So there's, again, only one exit to the room. He takes a moment to think this through. It seems like he's being tested, and he's trying to figure out why. As you take those few moments, you hear again a voice as if it's right behind you say, Yes, Tor, you are being tested. You trust your knowledge. You trust your memories. Yet they have betrayed you in the past. You think you gave me a silver, yet it is in your pocket. You believe you were banished from your clan because your research was simply stolen. If you want to know more, proceed. I am here to show you what you believe may not be the case. His fists clench and start to shake at that last little bit about his banishment and the circumstances thereof. He'll throw open the door at this point. Just as Tor enters this new mysterious room, we go back to the party as they are leaving the Nickel Granger Tavern. As you exit the tavern, you immediately start to bump into people. You see several people out on the streets laughing and uh, seem to be playing different games that you see set up on different corners. It's a very stark contrast to the emotional state that the four of you are currently in. As everyone's celebrating, you see uh, some people buying food and drinks. You see small little tests of skill off into different corners of games and, and all that. 
it's difficult at first to begin to make your way through this crowd, uh, having to kind of push a little bit to get around. Several times you guys feel like pats on the back or slaps on the back as some slightly already drunk person stumbles by. I would like to just kind of be perceptioning the whole time. Go ahead. And I would like to check check my pockets to make sure that nothing is missing. Perception. I assume I'm leading the group since I know where we're going. Yeah, I was gonna say you're at the front and I'll be like right behind you, kind of almost behind slash next to like helping push people out of the way because I'm like wearing my, you know, official looking outfit. Yeah, and just kind of being like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse us. Make an intimidation check. Also, my perception was 23. Other perception checks while she's doing Uh, that. 18. 18. Okay. You don't notice anyone particularly like go for your pockets or seem to be approaching you in any particular way. It seems like most of the people here are just out celebrating and enjoying the fact that this horrible war is over. And then Kalima, what was your intimidation? 19. So as you're moving through the crowd, as you're going, and eventually you, you start to get frustrated and you raise your voice. And almost immediately uh, in front of Saria, the crowd kind of parts a bit. Nice. And you're able to make your way through easier. And the whole time, she just has like the the blank stare as she's like watching people and then motions for Saria to like walk ahead and then like the two fingers over the shoulder like follow guys to the other. Can I have kind of retcon where I was walking? Because I probably would have been like moving through the crowd a little bit of a distance away. Everyone will, will notice like you're getting farther and farther away, especially as Kalima called that out. So yeah. if you want, like they notice you're moving away. I will say that. So okay. what you choose to do after that is up to you. Yeah, I would have done that. Okay. So you kind of parallel the group as they move forward, but you're having, fortunately for your speed, it doesn't slow you down, but you bump into more people as you're kind of bobbing and weaving through this group while the rest of the party is getting a bit more of a straight shot <laughs> as people are moving out of the way of the half-elven woman who just yelled at all of them. Barked at everybody. <laughs> She's very intimidating. <laughs> so, it takes you guys a little, I want to say over 30 minutes to get out of the Heldermarket District and into the Ankalov Heights District. There still is some celebration here. It's a lot less rowdy, but you do see a few games set up. You actually see children running through the streets, some of them playing tag or, or other sorts of games as they're moving about in front of you. But you are able to move through this area much more easily as it's more sparse. You do see at a couple of points as you're passing through a few people kind of just sitting on the ground, having their hands kind of out, seeming to be begging for whatever coin they can get as you walk through the streets of the Ankala Heights District. As we're entering the Uncle of Heights district, I'm going to kind of tap Saria on the shoulder and just lean in closer and just say, about how much further do you think we have to go? Five to ten minutes at most we should be there. I have no idea what our plan is besides investigate. And if she's there, I guess we just confront her. I would like to use my eyes of the grave now then. Kalima, you would know that this would extend all through this district and the low hills, but it would stop at the edge of the low hills based off of your range. Okay. So as you your senses go out, you sense coming slightly to your southeast, not in the direction that you're headed, three undead presences. They're probably 10 minutes from you uh, walking. And in terms of, again, a type with the highest CR, I would say it's an undead humanoid type. Which direction are we heading? You're basically, 
You guys are heading in a more southwest, a uh, southeasterly direction. Sorry, you sensed it from the southwest. Okay, so we're heading southeast, and it's coming from the southwest. Yes. Actually, since you know distance, do me a favor. Make a survival check. Nat 20. While you are moving through, you, you realize, based off of the distance and direction, it's coming from the area where you met with Vral and Gerbo last night. As soon as I sense this and I can pick up basically where, I'm going to like clap a hand on Saria's shoulder and be like, okay, we have three undead. One of them is definitely a humanoid, and they are where we met with Gerbo. What? Oh. And like, she looks very concerned. Like, I don't know if that takes precedence or if you guys think Fulmer's still the... By this point, sorry, as you kind of round the corner and, and then Kalima stops you, you see the building that Fulmer <gasps> had gone into. It's a pretty damaged looking building with one window slightly broken and bashed in so you can just barely catch a glimpse of the inside and you do see what seems to be some sort of a flickering flame inside potentially from a fireplace or candlelight sorry i would turn to cleva and say that seems important and i think we should go investigate that let's it seems like there's someone here that we should talk to or i don't know that we should deal with since we're right here and then we go and investigate that if that's Sounds fair to everyone. You're not even, like, finishing your conversation, and she's already, like, pushing you forward, like... Okay. <laughs> I would like to still... Damn. I'm gonna switch to my okay. diminution focus, and I want to scuttle up to that window and get a peek in. I'm just gonna stay at the back. Kind of maybe even stop where we had paused, and let them all slither forward, because I have no stealth abilities. Yeah. But I am gonna pull out my crossbow and cool. ready it. <laughs> So the window, while cracked, you do see there's actually seems to be some stuff in front of it, as if it was moved there. Whoever the occupant is wanted some form of privacy. I would like you to make a perception check, Saria. I was going to. Do you need my stealth roll? I actually don't need your stealth rolls. Okay. Oh. Uh, do I need to make a perception check then? Yep. Okay. Mine is a 14. I got a 20 total perception. Nice. Well. Okay. Saria and Sildan, you're having some trouble seeing over whatever it is that's partially blocking the window. It's mostly you're seeing wood. Daryl, you peek in, and as you're looking through, you kind of see the hint of a cloaked figure who seems to be just facing the door. But as you kind of look around, you notice just barely uh, what seems to be an old woman. And as she kind of lifts her head, you immediately notice milky white eyes <gasps> as she stares towards the opening. What? And you just see a gesture of her fingers towards herself as if she's inviting you in. Guys, we've been made. By a ghost though is in there. But that's strange. I thought she was supposed to be meeting with Tor. Yeah. That's like it. Well, she's inviting us in and they clearly know that we're here. So I think we should make our way in. By the way, Kalima's still like 20 feet away from you. So she's not hearing any of this, I'm assuming. Kalima is kind of, yeah, a little bit back from you, has a crossbow ready. Yeah, I'm just waiting yeah. and watching. We'll, like, we'll motion to her to come on up. Yeah. You actually also notice, as you kind of are, are coming up, you notice people are now giving this area a wider berth. A couple of people, uh, do you do catch their eyes kind of look at Kalima with her crossbow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind. I don't care. I have authority. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. 
Compared to the rest of us, yeah. All right, I will walk up to the door. I'll go with. Okay. The door is closed. I'm going to activate my aura sight and open the door. As the party head into the strange meeting, we're going to jump over to Tor, just as he entered this new room. You proceed forward and slam the door open. And as you do, you step through and you find yourself in a dark cavern. Torch is actually lining the walls and you see a large table in front of you, all crafted of stone. And seated behind this table on the opposite side, you see seven of the elders of the various clans of the Thessun kingdom. And seated directly across from where you're standing, you see the elder of your clan, Garum Meldwall. An older dwarf, long, thick gray beard. He kind of has it, just continues downward below the table. His head is bald otherwise. The only thing hair-wise has is this long, thick gray beard. His eyes are, his sight itself is, is beginning to go. He's got scars all across his, his face from various battles that he was in. And right in front of you is a stack of papers. And after you kind of step in and pause for a moment, you hear from Garam, Sororik, what is it you want to present to us? He freezes up again. Garam, could you repeat that? I, you claim to have information that could help us in this war. What is it you wanted to present to us? He sees the papers on the table. Are they the research or at least one version of the research? You look down, and they are blank. He walks up to the table, and again, touches the paper. This time as you do, nothing happens. And in a continued motion, he picks the paper up. As you do, you kind of pick it up, and you see several papers all stacked on top of each other. It's very neatly stacked, but as you do, you kind of see page after page after page of nothing. And after a few moments... All right, Rorik, we've given this enough time. You've gathered the clan elders. You claim to have something important to tell us. What did you want to tell us? And even as he speaks, you recall just almost hating this dwarf, this particular elder. He never seemed to believe in you. You remember a hatred of him. Think of you as a thief the whole time. Even during your research, he thought so little of you. And this hatred starts to kind of boil up in you, as you recall this past with Garum. He tries desperately to remember something, anything more about this. You think back and you focus and you feel the pain again. But this time, as you begin to feel the pain, you hear Bai's voice again just interject. I will soothe it this time, little dwarf. And you can still feel the pain. It's almost like on the edges of your senses right now. It, it seems... As if it's outside of you more than, than within as you push through a little farther. And now you are standing next to yourself. You see yourself looking at the blank pages. And you look up at your clan elders. And you can hear yourself arguing that it was stolen. This isn't it. This isn't your research. No, no, this is not, this is not what it's supposed to be. It's, it's not here. What happened to it? And you're, you're getting louder and louder, and you're starting to slam the papers down over and over. The elders are screaming at you to, what is wrong? What is going on? You see Garum, almost a smug expression on his face, like he almost expected this of you. And 
as you just slam them over and over again, one of the dwarves begin to come closer, and you smack them in the face as you turn. And you turn towards Garum and just yell out, It was you! You did this to me! And you jump to the table and rush over to him. As you do, two of the dwarves try to grab you. You are struggling viciously to, to get to Garum. But before you get to, you watch as a large mace comes out of one of the dwarves' belts and he smacks you across the back of the head, knocking you unconscious. And then everything fades in front of you. And you look up and you're simply in the stone cavern. Torch is still lit, but the table and the dwarves in front of you are gone. And am I to believe a fairy tale from a fairy tale about my own past? (laughs) Ah, it's so amusing when I'm called a fairy tale. I can assure you, little Tor, I am quite, quite real. You may believe whatever it is you wish. Tell me, though, do you know of a spell called polymorph? What are you trying to say? Have you ever heard of an instance of true polymorph being used on anyone and a modified memory? Imagine what would happen, little dwarf, if someone was transformed into a dwarf and the moment of transformation was erased. Do you think that they would then always believe they were a dwarf? Would their mind fill in the gaps? Would yours fill in the gaps of a memory that had been changed? What do you think would happen to the person? That's a very interesting hypothetical. And in that scenario, I guess they'd believe anything, wouldn't they? But it is just a hypothetical. It could be. It's amazing what memories can do to a person. If you lose them, you lose a part of who you are. If they are changed, so are you. I have learned this with many creatures over the... (laughs) Over my time. But come, I've learned what you are willing to do. I think now it's time that we meet, don't you? Fine, let's meet. The wall before you seems to just fade, and a small stone door, perfectly dwarf-sized, appears. You're used to doing things on your terms, aren't you? And I'll step through. As Tor's trials continue, we're going to jump back over to the rest of the party as they are about to walk in on a meeting with Bai and Fulmer. So you open the door, and as you walk in, you see a pretty, actually fairly well-kept house, though most of the wood is still cracked and broken from previous damage. Uh, you look off into the corner and see what appears to be some sort of dressers and, and chairs kind of stacked up against the wall to block visibility from that window. But as you walk in, you see a fireplace is lit and seated right next to it in a very simple chair, an old woman, white hair, very frail looking with milky white eyes. And she's just smiling slightly as you walk in. Standing about 10 feet from her, hands resting on two long swords at either side, you see an elven woman, long black hair flowing free. You just see it on the edges of her hood beneath her cloak, what appears to be some form of plate mail armor. As she looks at all of you in turn, her eyes lock with yours, Saria, and you recognize Fulmar. I am going to switch to my iron durability focus. 
How close is uh, Fulmar to the fireplace? 15 feet. But by Agosto uh-huh. is between her and the fireplace. Okay. You do see a door behind Fulmar that you would assume would potentially lead to a bedroom of some sort. There's broken furniture around the area, but as you kind of all walk in, the person who you would assume to be by Agosto looks up and just says, Ah, hello, dears. I figured you'd be coming at some point. I have another meeting to attend to, Fulmar. This is up to you if you want to deal with them. I have no business with these four. Goodbye. And she just suddenly vanishes. What? Of course. Ah. Can I make an arcana check to see if I know by what means of vanishment? Well, yeah, but I mean, like if it was like a dimension door or teleport or... You can attempt an arcana check. I got an 11. She did not cast a spell, but you don't know how she just disappeared. Oh. Sorry, I would say, hello, Fulmar. Sorry, uh, it's a shame. I was hoping you'd be the one. So there's another? These are your new friends? By the way, I would have, when I came in, I would have pulled the door shut behind us. Yeah, I have my hand resting on my sword, by the way. You see both of her hands resting on the two long swords she has. This doesn't have to end in violence. You wish to stop the overseer. I cannot allow that. What allegiance do you have to the overseer? The overseer has given me everything that I have. And I have continued to train to perfect my skills so I can train the perfect being. Where is this perfect being? That is of no concern of yours, you pathetic excuse. Uh, You guys would see that, sorry, just kind of (laughs) like, like a... Like a slow exhale. <laughs> like, yeah. Harsh, bro. My, hand, my hand's like vice gripped on my sword right now. Oh, I think Kalima's bow is already like angled at her. Now, Fulmer, I know I was a great source of disappointment to you. Such a waste. Because obviously you, you had bigger were plans. weak. That is the most pathetic thing about you. I trained you. I hoped you would be the last one. You had such potential, but then again, it's so sad that you failed. I chose to be something better than what you had planned. I would say should you ever meet your better, you would disagree when facing them. But I don't think you will get that opportunity. Because you're planning to kill me? You could just let me go. (laughs) No. Let me finish my task, or we kill Cha and Atron. What task is that? I am not some fool, Daryl. I will not simply be talked into revealing our plan. Sildan? Yes? I thought you would be smarter than this. I thought when you got our message, you would simply go back to your monastery and take care of the little ones you have left since you were unable to do so for the ones that are here. Yeah, I'm not quite sure I want to give up on the ones that are here. Oh, but coming to face me means that you have. We will eliminate them. I will make sure that you get to see them die before I finish you. You get to see how badly you failed them. The way I see it, you have two options. You can either tell us where they are before we kill you, or we can just kill you. My death is meaningless to the greater scheme of things. 
that's not true. Every life is important. If you only saw your other failures, you would know not every life is important. What happened to them? The experiments were eliminated. We dealt with them as you would any failed experiment, as you should have been dealt with. So if you die, then who is going to train this perfect being you keep bragging about? It is complete. My job, my purpose, has been fulfilled. I am simply assisting elsewhere now that I do not have my primary goal. So as I see it, you have two options. Let me leave, and you can go about your lives. Or I could kill you now. You can't defeat all of us. Nope, it's not a viable option. She draws both blades, holds them point down. My death or my life is meaningless. Perhaps I could take one of your lives. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be pointless. You're not going to win this one. Very well. We used to train quite a bit, Saria. And you could never beat me. I won't hold back this time. And that is where we're going to end this episode today. Thank you all so much for listening. Please share this podcast with your friends if you've enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter at Rules is Written. If you have your own questions to the DM, you can email them at dm at dndraw.com. Please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. And also subscribe and leave us a comment on Podbean, Google Play, or Stitcher. Thanks, guys.